Good day to you all, and welcome to this ninth day of February. It is day 40 in our journey through the Bible. Hello to everyone out there. My name is Hunter, and I am your brother, your Bible reading coach, someone who shows up with you every day to spend a little time together in the pages of the Bible. We're going to let the Bible do what the Bible does, my friends, and direct our hearts to the one who is the living Word of God, the one alone who has the words of life that your soul was made for. Well, today, my friends, we've got another 20 minutes that lay ahead of us, 20 minutes that can build into our lives, 20 minutes that can feed our hungry soul. I'm glad that you are sticking with it. Here we are marching through Leviticus, just like we were old hats at this. Well, today it's Leviticus 10 through 12, and then Acts 16. Father, thank you for drawing us all here from all the many places that we reside in. Lord, we know that our home is with you, and we thank you that you give us encouragement on our journey home. Help us now to draw from these scriptures what need be drawn out. Help us to let them point us to you. Leviticus 10. Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu put coals of fire in their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way they disobeyed the Lord, by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. So fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died there before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, This is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron was silent. Then Moses called for Mishael and Elazaphan, Aaron's cousins, the sons of Aaron's uncle, Uziel. He said to them, Come forward and carry away the bodies of your relatives from in front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. So they came forward and picked them up by their garments and carried them out of the camp, just as Moses had commanded. Then Moses said to Aaron and his sons Eleazar and Ithamar, Do not show grief by leaving your hair uncombed or by tearing your clothes. If you do, you will die, and the Lord's anger will strike the whole community of Israel. However, the rest of the Israelites, your relatives, may mourn because of the Lord's fiery destruction of Nadab and Abihu. But you must not leave the entrance of the tabernacle, or you will die for you have been anointed with the Lord's anointing oil. So they did as Moses commanded. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your descendants must never drink wine or any other alcoholic drink before going into the tabernacle. If you do, you will die. This is a permanent law for you, and it must be observed from generation to generation. You must distinguish between what is sacred and what is common, between what is ceremonially unclean and what is clean. And you must teach the Israelites all the decrees that the Lord has given them through Moses. Then Moses said to Aaron and his remaining sons, Eleazar and Ithmar, Take what is left of the grain offering after a portion has been presented as a special gift to the Lord, and eat it beside the altar. Make sure it contains no yeast, for it is most holy. You must eat it in a sacred place, for it has been given to you and your descendants as your portion of the special gifts presented to the Lord. These are the commands I have given you. 
but the breast and thigh that were lifted up as a special offering may be eaten in any place that is ceremonially clean. These parts have been given to you and your descendants as a portion of the peace offerings presented by the people of Israel. You must lift up the thigh and the breast as a special offering to the Lord, along with the fat of the special gifts. These parts will belong to you and your descendants as your permanent right, just as the Lord has commanded. Moses then asked them what had happened to the goat of the sin offering. When he discovered it had been burned up, he became very angry with Eleazar and Ithmar, Aaron's remaining sons. Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the sacred area, he demanded. It is a holy offering. The Lord has given it to you to remove the guilt of the community and to purify the people, making them right with the Lord. Since the animal's blood was not brought into the holy place, you should have eaten the meat in the sacred area as I ordered you. Then Aaron answered Moses, Today my sons presented both their sin offerings and their burnt offerings to the Lord, and yes, this tragedy has happened to me if I had eaten the people's sin offering on such a tragic day as this, would the Lord have been pleased? And when Moses heard this, he was satisfied. Leviticus chapter 11 Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Of all the land animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat any animal that has completely split hooves and choose the cud. You may not, however, eat the following animals that have split hooves or that chew the cud, but not both. The camel chews the cud but does not have split hooves, so it is ceremonially unclean for you. The hyrax chews the cud but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The hare chews the cud but does not have split hooves, so it is unclean. The pig has evenly split hooves but does not chew the cud, so it is unclean. You may not eat the meat of these animals or even touch their carcasses. They are ceremonially unclean for you. Of all the marine animals, these are the ones you may use for food. You may eat anything from the water if it has both fins and scales, whether taken from salt water or from streams. But you must never eat animals from the sea or from rivers that do not have both fins and scales. They are detestable to you. This applies both to little creatures that live in shallow water and to all creatures that live in deep water. They will always be detestable to you. You must never eat their meat. You must never eat their meat or even touch their dead bodies. Any marine animal that does not have both fins and scales is detestable to you. These are the birds that are detestable to you. You must never eat them. The griffin vulture, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, falcons of all kinds, ravens of all kinds, the eagle owl, the short-eared owl, the seagull, hawks of all kinds, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the barn owl, the desert owl, the Egyptian vulture, the stork, herons of all kinds, the hoopoe, and the bat. You must not eat winged insects that walk along the ground. They are detestable to you. You may, however, eat winged insects that walk along the ground and have jointed legs so they can jump. The insects you are permitted to eat include all kinds of locusts, bald locusts, crickets, and grasshoppers. All other winged insects that walk along the ground are detestable to you. The following creatures will make you ceremonially unclean if you even touch their carcasses. You will be defiled until evening if you pick up their carcasses. You must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. Any animal that has split hooves that are not evenly divided, or that does not chew the cud, is unclean for you. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled. 
of the animals that walk on all fours, those that have paws, are unclean. If you touch the carcass of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If you pick up its carcass, you must wash your clothes, and you will remain defiled until evening. These animals are unclean for you. Of the small animals that scurry along the ground, these are unclean for you. The mole rat, the rat, large lizards of all kinds, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the common lizard, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. All these small animals are unclean for you. If any of you touch the dead body of such an animal, you will be defiled until evening. If such an animal dies and falls on something, that object will be unclean. This is true whether the object is made of wood, cloth, leather, or burlap. Whatever its use, you must dip it in water, and it will remain defiled until evening. After that, it will be ceremonially clean, and you may use it again. If such an animal falls into a clay pot, everything in the pot will be defiled, and the pot must be smashed. If the water from such a container spills on any food, the food will be defiled, and any beverage in such container will be defiled. Any objects on which the carcass of such an animal falls will be defiled. If it is an oven or hearth, it must be destroyed, for it is defiled and you must treat it accordingly. However, if the carcass of such an animal falls into a spring or a cistern, the water will still be clean, but anyone who touches the carcass will be defiled. If the carcass falls on seed grain to be planted in the field, the seed will still be considered clean, but if the seed is wet when the carcass falls on it, the seed will be defiled. If an animal you are permitted to eat dies and you touch its carcass, you will be defiled until evening. If you eat any of its meat or carry away its carcass, you must wash your clothes and you will remain defiled until evening. All small animals that scurry along the ground are detestable and you must never eat them. This includes all animals that slither along their bellies as well as those with four legs and those with many feet. All such animals that scurry along the ground are detestable, and you must never eat them. Do not defile yourself by touching them. You must not make yourself ceremonially unclean because of them, for I am the Lord your God. You must consecrate yourself and be holy, because I am holy. So do not defile yourself with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground, for I, the Lord, am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, that I might be your God. Therefore you must be holy, because I am holy. These are the instructions regarding the land animals, birds, marine creatures, and animals that scurry along the ground. By these instructions you will know what is unclean and clean, and which animals may be eaten, and which may not be eaten. Leviticus 12. The Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If a woman becomes pregnant and gives birth to a son, she will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. On the eighth day, the boy's foreskin must be circumcised. After waiting 33 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. During this time of purification, she must not touch anything that is set apart as holy. She must not enter the sanctuary until her time of purification is over. If a woman gives birth to a daughter, she will be ceremonially unclean for two weeks, just as she is unclean during her menstrual period. After waiting 66 days, she will be purified from the bleeding of childbirth. When the time of purification is completed for either a son or a daughter, the woman must bring a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a purification offering. She must bring her offering to the priest at the entrance of the tabernacle. The priest will then present them to the Lord to purify her. Then she will be ceremonially clean again after her bleeding at childbirth. 
These are the instructions for a woman after the birth of a son or a daughter. If a woman cannot afford to bring a lamb, she must bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. One will be for the burnt offering and the other for the purification offering. The priest will sacrifice them to purify her, and she will be ceremonially clean. Acts 16 Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us! So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neapolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a river bank, where we thought people would be meeting for prayer, and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth, who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had the spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her master by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come here to tell you how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them deep into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. 
The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, Let those men go. So the jailer told Paul, The city officials have said you and Silas are free to leave. Go in peace. But Paul replied, You have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. When the police reported this, the officials were alarmed to learn that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. So they came to the jail and apologized to them. Then they brought them out and begged them to leave the city. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers and encouraged them once more. Then they left town. And now, Lord, we ask that you would encourage us once more in the hearing of your word. Amen. Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, priests to the Lord, conjured up some strange fire. They put some coals on their incense burners and sprinkled incense over them. In this way, they made strange fire. This was not the prescribed way. This was their way. They were trying to conjure up something new, perhaps. Perhaps they're trying to manipulate or control this fire to grant them fortune or power, honor. Perhaps it was about control. And this strange fire ended up consuming them. We're told that they were judged because of it. Fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up. We all struggle with the desire to manipulate and control, to offer our own strange fire, if you will. Tragically, it consumes us too. But there's a kind of fire that doesn't consume and kill. That's the fire that we see in the Holy Spirit. This is a fire that comes to dwell with us. In Acts 2, we see the Holy Spirit descend in tongues of fire. This is a fire that is bestowed on us and received. It's not manipulated. It's given to us, not through our own effort or designs. Instead, it descends on us. It's a gift from heaven. How do we become carriers of this fire of life? Paul and Silas tell the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. It seems like all of us in some way or another want to work with strange fire and gain control. It's no different now than it was then. The slave owners in Acts 16 have a girl that tells the future. This is a strange fire. The political leaders in town wanted to pacify the mob. They're playing with strange fire. The jailer who drew his sword to kill himself for fear of his own execution. This is a kind of strange fire. Strange fire is all about wanting to control and manipulate. 
to ensure our future or to get what we want, whether it's fortune, power, honor. We all want to make strange fire to get these things. Our strategies appear to work for a while, but in the end, like Nadab and Abihu, it doubles back and ends up consuming us in the end. There are two kinds of fire. One is strange and will ultimately consume us. It's fueled by the desire to control, to manipulate. The other kind is the fire of God's presence. That's received as a gift. What do we do for that? We believe in the Lord Jesus. We trust in him. We say yes to him. We say yes to his life. We give up control. We give up on our need to coerce. This is a life-giving fire that dwells within us, entirely bestowed upon us by his grace. It does not consume, it does not kill. Instead, it purifies us, heals us, and offers us his life. It creates within us something new and offers us true riches, true power, true honor. And all these things are a gift. It is the holy fire of God in us. Today, you can live and walk in the reality of the fire that comes down from heaven. It is your life the Holy Spirit, Christ in you. This gift has been bestowed upon you. Live in this fire today. Abide in it. Not trying to control and conjure up things, but simply resting and receiving. Christ's life. That's the prayer that I have for my own soul. That's the prayer that I have for my family, for my wife and my daughters and my son. And that's a prayer that I have for you. May it be so. Let's continue now in a time of prayer. Feel free to read along with these prayers in the show notes of today's podcast and meditate on these words that are being spoken over you, your family, and our world. And now, let us pray. Lord God, Almighty and Everlasting Father, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power, that we might not fall into sin or be overcome by adversity. And in all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold, pour out your Spirit on all flesh, and hasten the coming of your kingdom. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, Lord, Make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Lord, grant that I might not seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, 
to be loved has to love. For it is in the giving that we receive, in the pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in the dying that we are born unto eternal life. Amen. And now as our Lord has taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I want to thank you for joining me today in our time in the scriptures and in prayer. And before I let you go today, I want to remind you again to like, follow, share, and subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get yours. This is one important and practical way that you can support this ministry, simply by following it wherever it is that you listen to it. Those mysterious things called algorithms seem to like that kind of thing, and it results in them sharing the podcast with a broader audience. And that's a good thing because I'm convinced that people out there are hungry to hear the scriptures, to have their hearts pointed to Jesus, to have the grace of the Lord Jesus proclaimed over their hearts every single day. And that's what this podcast is all about. That's why we gather here every day. So join in on the ministry by simply liking, sharing, and subscribing to the DRB. Hey, before I let y'all go, just want to thank those folks out there that have partnered with us to make sure that this podcast happens every day. We are entirely supported by you. It's partners, listeners to the podcast who have given and prayed and join in on the ministry. And we are so grateful and we just want to say thank you to folks like Gentry Jones, Charles Daniels, Robin Garcia, Tracy Kimsey, and David Brewster. Thank you, my sisters, my brothers, my co-laborers in this work of the Lord. If you're listening today and you'd like to join in with that group of folks, man, that is so appreciated and so needed. And all you need to do is head on over to the webpage, dailyradiobible.com. Click on the donate link. You'll have the opportunity to give a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift. All of your gifts are tax deductible. We are a 501c3 charitable organization. So all of your gifts are tax deductible. Well, hey, friends, we have done it. We've done it again. We've spent another day in the Bible, and we plan on being back here again tomorrow to do the same. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, your brother Hunter plans on being here. Until that time, let's go forward in God's joy. Let's let his joy be our strength, and let us always remember this, that you are loved. No doubt about it. Alrighty, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. You guys take care. Bye-bye.
Good morning, Hunter. This is Brad Mason. I'm listening from Sarasota, Florida. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. God bless you.